You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's everyone's favorite tournament of the year. The golfers are in Augusta, Georgia, to compete for the coveted jacket. And DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app, is putting you in the center of the action by giving you a shot to land in the green. This week, DraftKings is giving you 100 to 1 odds on the golfer of your choosing to finish in the top 10. If you haven't tried DraftKings, this is the time. And if you're a terrible, never-have-golf-type person like myself, this might be your only chance to ever finish in the top 10 when it comes to golfing. Do that by turning $1 into $100. And it's simple. Pick any golfer from this weekend's tournament, and if they finish in the top 10, you cash $100. 100 to 1 odds on an offer like this doesn't come around often, so sign up for the DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in all of the action and choose your golfer before the tournament tees off Thursday morning. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable so you can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. You want to be a golfer, I guess kind of sort of like a golfer? Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 if the golfer of your choosing finishes in the top 10 of this weekend's tournament. That's code TBPN to turn $1 into $100 for a limited time only, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. back everybody yes i'm back jason jones of the athletic um, of other things too that you probably don't care about but welcome back to the ruler of the pod stumbling a little bit over there the ruler of the court podcast brought to you by the basketball podcast network again i'm your host jason jones of the athletic sacramento kings uh beat writer of um more than a decade, which means I've seen a lot more losing than I've seen winning, which makes me more than qualified to talk about the Kings. And last time we spoke, um, I said pretty much 
hey, I don't want to hear any more about, you know, the playoffs, this, this, that, you know, and we don't, we're not ready to play, blah, blah, blah. And for me, it was going to be about how they lost, if they lost in Minnesota, how they lost. And giving up 34 points in the fourth quarter on Monday, letting D'Angelo Russell get off of the injury list, tape up his leg and drop 25 on you. Yeah, it wasn't a good look. Hearing Harrison Barnes talk about no maturity and, you know, guys talking again about playing down to the competition. Again, who in the hell are the Sacramento Kings to talk about playing down to anyone? Like, what have the Kings ever done? For God's sake, they're 22 and 29 right now. Oh, playing down the competition, as I've said it once, I've said it many times. They are the down competition. The Kings are the down competition. Bad teams look at the Kings and say, you know what? This is a game we can get. You know what the Minnesota Timberwolves on Monday were saying to themselves? We got the Kings in town. We can get this one if we just do what we got to do. We can get this one. And sure enough, the T-Wolves got that one, and now the Kings host Detroit uh, today, Thursday, with the hopes of ending this now four-game losing streak. I uh, would love to say I'm surprised that it's gotten to this point, but when you cover the Kings as long as I have, kind of what you expect at some point, that anything that comes with the good, it's definitely going to be followed with some bad. And got five-game winning streak into a four-game losing streak, just like that. So. Maybe the, the Pistons will be the medicine the Kings need, the slump buster, but I'm, I'll, I'll get to that later. I want to just start off, you know, double back a little bit, talk about the reason why I'm giving this Kings team the side eye. Why? I don't want to, I don't, I really don't want to hear a lot about, I don't want to hear the word playoffs anymore. I really don't. Not from this group. Not anytime soon. I do not want to hear the word playoffs. I don't want to hear any team that has to talk about, you know, we've got to stop playing down to the competition when they're in an 11th place or 12th in the conference. There's, you know, which by definition means there ain't many people below them talking about. I don't want. I don't want to hear playoffs because at that point you're telling me. That you're not even focused enough. You don't have to, to even talk about the playoffs. I mean, I don't understand how a team seven games under 500 could have the gall or the audacity that they have anything ever won before tip-off ever. You know, it's it's baffling. It's uh to me, it's a sign of an not you know when I say issue, I don't mean like the teams fighting each other, but I mean. That's an issue in the culture of you got to fix that if this team is ever going to be at least decent. And just this, and it's it's been around the Kings for years, different teams, different coaches, different players. The whole idea of, oh, here comes that team. We got this one. Why? I never know. Because, again, you don't think every struggling team sees Sacramento on the schedule and says, you know what? If we play hard, we can get that one. Sure enough, Minnesota got them, and yeah, and this is what and, you know. This is where we are now. Like I said, this this whole playing down 
it makes you question a lot of things. It makes you question leadership, you know, top to bottom. You know, but more importantly, I question the mindset and the focus of the guys on the court. You know, because it's not every guy, obviously, got, you know, different guys have different roles. But it makes me question just the leadership of the group. You know, interesting, during uh, Wednesday's media session, uh, someone asked Chris Silva, it was his first time speaking to the, to the local media, about leaders in the locker room. One, I'm not big on asking a guy who just got here two weeks ago about who the leaders are. You know, hey, he's, he's still learning guys' names and learning the, learning the plays and whatnot. No, but he, what he said was, he said, you know, Harrison, you know, talks a lot and Buddy talks a lot. Now, I can see Harrison as a leader, you know, a veteran, a guy who's been a champion, you know, a guy who's a professional, well-respected around the league. I can see that. You know, should Buddy be that guy? I don't know. I don't, I don't think that's good, you know, I don't you know, Buddy's going to say a lot, but is he really a leader? That other, in my opinion, this is my opinion, that other loud voice in there, not, it, it doesn't have to be for the media and the public to see. That other loud voice needs to be De'Aaron Fox. Plain and simple. I mean, highest paid player on the team starting next season, best player on the team. You know, he's got to be, he's, he may have to be the loudest voice, but... He's got to be a loud voice, and everyone says he's getting better with that, being more vocal, that it's not really his personality, but heavy is the head that wears the crown, and he has the crown of being the best player on the team. He's got to be able to to be a, a, a bigger voice and take, take it upon himself and say, you know what, I'm going to make sure we don't lose this game. I'm going to come out and set the tone early. And, I, and the same way Drew Holiday and Dennis Schroeder did against him, he's got to do that to everybody else. He's got to come out and set the tone for this team because they need something. They need someone to get them going. Second in line for that voice to me has to be Tyrese Halliburton, the other primary ball handler. Those two guys have got to take the reins and demand everyone elevate their games, plain and simple. No way around that. That has to be where your leadership comes from. I get that it's tough for Tyrese. He's a rookie. It may not be De'Aaron's natural thing to be the loud one, but they got to figure something out because this whole idea that they 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 can come in and coast in the games, I don't get it. And it was funny to hear those comments after the Minnesota game because I'm watching that game outside of the fourth quarter. I felt like they had competed, you know, pretty decently. But to give up, you know, they gave up 34 points in the fourth quarter, couldn't make shots, et cetera, et cetera. You know, typical thing. So I'm looking at the, you know, starting with Detroit, I'm looking at, I want to see leadership. I want to see who takes the reins of this team. You know, I want to see who's going to be the one who steps up, speaks up, jumps out of there, and just, you know, takes this thing personally. Dang, you know. You know, just who who's going to do that? 
you know, I, I really, I'm really just interested, curious to see about who's going to do that because it's going to be, it's going to be interesting Thursday night. They're playing at the Detroit team. If you remember, it's the last time the Kings had a losing streak like this when they got to nine games. And who did they play? The Detroit Pistons. And the Kings barely won that game. <laughs> so I certainly hope they're not thinking they got this one made. Just because it's Detroit coming in, Detroit's the team that's clearly playing for, you know, Cade Cunningham, Jalen, you know, Jalen playing for Suggs, or you know, all the no, everyone knows what they're in this for, you know. But it, you know, it's, it's there for them. Detroit is coming into town. Detroit has had its issues all year. This, this should be, I'm not even going to say they should win because, damn it, this team should, you can't should win. This team can't afford to should win. It's not like they have overwhelming talent to where they can be like, you know what? If we coast for three quarters, these guys are carriers home. Think about some of those those big fourth quarters De'Aaron had. They had to fight their asses off to be in the game in the fourth for De'Aaron to do that. Now, they can't go into the fourth down 15 and be like, De'Aaron, go get, get, get us 20. That's not going to work out. So, I just think it's, you know, I'm not going to call this a trap game because how the hell could the Kings have a trap game? Like, who are they? Who are they? You know, I, you know, but this has to be a game where they come out with some intensity, some focus, some fire. For the love of everything, please do. I do not want to hear about we played down to the competition because, again, until proven otherwise, you can't play down to the competition when you are the down competition. And until the Kings as a group understand that, like a reality check, that they are the down competition, they are the team that everyone wants to get right against, and they're going to forever be stuck in where they are. It's just a losing team with a losing culture because the mind that's the mindset of a loser. That's a losing mindset to think that you've got anything won it's when you have a losing record and you've had a nine-game losing streak, now a four-game losing streak. You've lost nine of 11 one game. You've had all these struggles over the course of the season. How in the world could you ever just think to yourself, yeah, we got this made? But what do I know? You know, I don't know nothing. You know, I'm going to go ahead and let the Kings do what they do. But definitely wanted to just kind of start there and – I definitely welcome your thoughts, your questions about that. What do you think the Kings need to do amongst that? Where is that leadership to come from? I I cited some players. Do you think maybe this should be more of a coach thing? I'm a big player guy, just so you know. I'm a big player guy. I'm a big believer that the NBA is a players league, perhaps more than any other league in any sport. And the players set set the uh, standard. You know, the coaches put the standard out there. They put what, you know, what's supposed to happen out there. And then from there, your players really run everything from there. The coach can step in with conflict issues or whatnot, but your players have to run shit. And right now, it's hard to figure out who's running what with the king sometimes. But it's got it's definitely got to be better than what it is right now. If you think I'm right, wrong, and different, crazy, you know what to do. Hit me up. Let's chat about it. Anything I want to touch on? 
Um, a guy I love, a lot of you out there love to hate, Luke Walton, Kings head coach. You know, name floating around in, in rumors because the head job at his old college, University of Arizona, where he was really, a, you know, outstanding player at Arizona, all Pac-10 type guy, you know, gave my Cal Golden Bears fits. That job became open Wednesday when it you know, was reported and discovered and announced that Sean Miller would not be back with the program. Uh, Arizona had a very down year, and you know, been, and Sean had survived a bunch of scandals. But you can't survive scandals and suck. You know, if you're gonna ha- if if they're gonna stand by you after some scandals, at least you're putting them in the Sweet 16, Elite Eight, and all that. And that's not what's happening. But of course, you know, people start throwing out names of potential uh, coaches. Luke's name came up. Luke made it pretty clear that he has no interest in that job. He likes his job. He likes the players he has. He likes the people he's working with, and he's focused on the Kings. Which then led to my mentions on Twitter being saying, damn it, why, please, this is, we were hoping you would leave, blah, 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 blah. Well, I'm going to start with the first part to about, you know, the idea of Luke being the coach at Arizona 1. If they're going to go for a former player at Arizona, I would imagine you'd go with one who's already coaching in college, a guy who's actually not that far from Sacramento and Damon Stoudemire. That would seem to make more sense if you're Arizona. That's just me. I have no insight on what the Arizona people's thinking are. But I just would think that if you're going to go the former player route, you would go with the guy who is already coaching in college, already Probably more more versed and familiar with the idea of recruiting, all that stuff. That would make sense. Mm. So, and secondly, just, I don't know if, it, if Luke can get the same money in college, you know, with the Kings. I want him about $11.5 million the next two years. You know, what would you walk away from to go live in Tucson? Well, Luke, maybe, but I just don't, at this, at this point, as of the time of this recording, I get no sense in my conversations in the past with Luke or people who know Luke that he has any desire to be a college coach. You know, so his, you know, his mentor, one of his mentors, obviously, was the late, great Lute Olson. But, you know, another mentor in terms of coaching is Phil Jackson and Steve Kerr, two pro guys. And I think Luke's probably more, you know, trained and ingrained to be an NBA coach. So that's where I'm assuming, you know, I'm thinking and believing he'll stay. But. It's Thursday. A lot can change. It could change before you're done listening to this, but I just wouldn't expect Luke to be headed to Arizona as much as some of y'all don't like that, which also I have to t- cover in another episode that if you think removing Luke Walton is going to fix Sacramento's problems, you got a lot another thing coming. These things are way deeper than any coach. I know I've covered like seven, eight coaches. <laughs> this is way deeper than just blaming everything on Luke Walton. I know it's, it's, it's easy, it's convenient, it's simple, but damn it, it's a lot going on here. So you can, you know, root for him to leave all you want. Don't think that your problems would leave if Luke went to Arizona. But like I said, right now, I don't see, I don't think that's going to happen. But then again, hey, things change, change quickly. We'll see. So, I want to touch on one last NBA-related thing before I switch gears on y'all. Sure, so I'm sure you all saw the video from over the weekend. Uh, Paul Pierce debuting, or you know, in 
when keeping it real goes wrong. Let me see. I'm 42. Paul Pierce is like 43. Number one, people in our 40s, we are too old to be doing IG live when we party. We really are because, yeah, we're just really too old to be doing that. There's no reason for us to go live from a party because we, number one, we're too grown. And if because we, we're grown, there's probably grown folk stuff going down at that shindig. Yeah, so yeah, just not a good look, you know, just not, yeah, just, just too old for that. I mean, I'm not against us going live, but we're supposed to be a little more settled to where we ain't got to go live to show people that we can have a big party. Especially if you work for a Disney company and your party have what I'm not going to, I'll say it, that, that appears to have cannabis involved. Which I'm pretty sure is that the, the folks at the, at the Mickey Mouse Company don't want to be associated with. And if it has uh, women who dance in revealing clothing or less or, or no clothing at all, whatever the case may be, you know, as part of the festivities, you don't want to go live with that. And that's what Paul did. Paul lost his job with ESPN or they parted ways, however you want to phrase it. But. Yeah, we're just too old for that. Yeah, it's too old. But remember, everyone out there, if you want to go live on IG, if you want to, you know, stunt, show everybody what you're up to, that's fine. But remember, don't call, don't lose your job over 315 IG live viewers. But, you know, Paul's got money. Paul's going to be fine. You know, wouldn't surprise him show up somewhere else. Even though, like a lot of people, I may not be the biggest fan of his analysis. I mean, how many times can you hear who he was better than <laughs> or how great the Celtics are? Yes, I'm an L.A. guy, so I'm biased him talking about the Celtics. But I do believe at some point you're too old to be going live from your party unless your party is really, really, really popping in. That party wasn't popping like that. That was not an IG live worthy party, in my opinion. And from the video I saw, maybe the IG Live portion that was worthy didn't get aired, which in that case was a shame. Because if you're going to risk it all, in, or risk it all is relative for Paul Pierce. He's probably got millions. If you're going to risk your employment, you know, risk it for something big. I mean, from what I saw, that really wasn't worth all that. I'm like, really, this is it? Come on, really? even feel like that big of a deal when you watch you know but hey again you know you your public figure you know got you know got the blunt in your mouth i mean i'm oh allegedly you know i don't know what he could have been smoking a black and mild you know you know but either way just not a good look for paul you know he's a socal guy you know i, I got love for all socal guys you know but paul paul will be all right but just want to Remind everyone, you can keep it real, but you can keep it too real, and you can mess things up. And with that being said, we can now transition the podcast over to what I like to talk about most. Not most, but one no music. And this will be kind of my... The last um, topic because I'm gonna put out some WrestleMania predictions for my wrestling people out there. But 
just want to talk about the week in hip hop history. You know, this week, some interesting things happened this, in, in hip hop history this week, and one of them being April seventh, uh, two no, not two thousand, nineteen eighty seven. Wow! At this point, I was eight years old. But on this day in 1987, DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Prince released their debut album, Rock the House. And I'm getting this from todayinhistoryhiphop.com, so you know where I'm getting my dates from. But wow, that many years ago, that's when that came out. And it's probably hard to believe for some of the younger listeners ever believed that Will Smith was a rapper but he indeed was a rapper and quite entertaining one i know he he probably got he gets lost in the shuffle when you look back in you know rap just because well he came along at a time where the 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 tone of rap was starting to change you know and by 80 88 89 90 you had the nwas you had you know that you had the fuck the police, you had that strong, edgy West Coast vibe. Chuck D was hitting you over the head with Public Enemy with the knowledge and the, you know, X Clan. You know, you had a very kind of gritty, you know, what, you no know, dropping knowledge or, you know, all them, you know, that type of MC out there. And as a kid, I first learned about them, Will Smith, you know, uh, I mean, the Fresh Prince, as, you know, Parents just don't understand was the song, you know. That was, you know, that girls of the world ain't nothing but trouble, you know. And I think Will doesn't get, you know, enough credit for being a good rapper. I mean, I'll go ahead and say it. I think he was, he's a good. I, I think he was, you know, put some good music out, and you know, maybe people thought it was corny, you know, whatever the case may be. But I think Will put out some real good music, some entertaining music, especially for a kid like myself back then. I couldn't relate to everything I was, or even understand everything I was hearing back in the day sometimes. But I could relate to parents just don't understand. Because, you know, that was, you know, it was catchy. It's cool. And it fit, you know. And I liked it, too, because Will wasn't trying to be somebody he wasn't. Will wasn't talking about selling dope and killing people. Because if that wasn't his, you know, reality, why would he do it? And, you know, shout out Will Smith, DJ Jackie Jeff, to Fresh Prince for their contributions to the game. To the game of hip hop, you know, and um, if you want to uh, get into, uh, I don't want to say edgy, but more of maybe the, you know, the hard, harder stuff, go look and listen to a brand new funk by them. But even then, you know, then also another homework, you know, I think most of you guys know about this, you know, Summertime Will Smith, you know, that's, you know, that song still goes hard every summer. It's April. You know, in about 45, 60 days, I'll be playing DJ Jazzy Jeff in the Fresh Prince Summertime, you know, because that's, you know, so most guys don't get a like a timeless song. And I think he he scored a timeless song with that one. And, and so and to me, you can't really to me, you can't underestimate the importance of Will Smith in the, his, the history of hip hop. You know, no one's going to put him probably in their top 10, top 20, top 50 of all time. But to me, he was definitely an important figure in the game. So I want to shout him out. Shout out, Jeff. 
I'm not sure if I've ever been at a party that he's DJed. I want to say I have, but I'm not positive. But, yeah, just shout them out for their contributions to the game. And just a couple of other historical notes from this week I wanted to hit you with. Uh, this week, in 1992, April 7, 1992, DOS Effects dropped their debut album, um, Dead Serious, and... The importance of DOS effects, you know, the sped up cadence, you know, that kind of, um, you know, just, I'm not even sure how to describe it, you know. It's like before there was Bone Thugs, they kind of brought you this, like, I don't know if you even would call it reggae, but it was, it, it was hitting, you know, they want, you know, it's, it's, it was good. It was different, especially for that time. And if you don't, if you're not familiar with DOS Effects, and maybe you're not sure who DOS Effects is, check out that Ice Cube uh, "Check Yourself" remix. The "Check Yourself," you know, "Chickity Check Yourself" before you wreck yourself. That's DOS Effects. So, wanted to shout them out for their their place in the culture, what they meant to hip hop, and just kind of give them give them some love. And here, I'm going to give you guys a couple other things before I get into my wrestling predictions. Uh, or maybe I won't. Hmm, let me think about it. I think I'm going to go ahead and leave the hip-hop alone for for the rest of this episode. And then hit y'all with a couple of things. Like I said, you know, I haven't really hit on the, the pro wrestling tip much. Um... In the uh, really on the, on on the pod much ever, but I want to give some my predictions what I think should happen. First off, first night of NXT Takeover. Shout out to Raquel Gonzalez, new NXT Women's Champion. She's really one of my favorite performers in NXT. Powerful. I love the the presentation. Kind of just the dominance and just the all-out power she exudes with her character. So, congratulations on that. I'm going to hit on a few of the the matches for uh, WrestleMania. And it's still different with with the pandemic and all. We got different nights, two nights again. You know, night one, night two, that whole thing. And uh, let me just begin with, hmm, where I want to start? Let's start with, um, uh, uh, man, see, it's kind of hard to say where to start. Just because, you know, it's too nice to spread out. I think I'll just talk, touch on the championship matches then, because that's probably what makes the most sense. Just because, well... Hey, we'll be here all night going over every single match. And it's not like the WrestleMania I grew up on where it was such a... It's like there's matches you only saw at WrestleMania nowadays. With the way TV is now, you see a lot of, you can see a lot of good matches before pay-per-view. So it's, to me, it's a, it's a lot harder to sell you know, at WrestleMania because you've seen these some of these guys compete against each other or compete in high-stake matches already, but for the championships. I'm going to go ladies first. 
Rhea Ripley and Asuka. I'm taking Asuka. I just can't see creative putting the belt on Ripley coming out of NXT. Because number one, we all know they bury damn near everyone from NXT. And secondly, there's been no build up to her being a champion, you know. She lost to Gonzalez, you know, she lost, you know, her, her, the end of her uh, NXT, you know, run, did the right thing, put over the talent and moved on. But there's been no buildup. So it just seems crazy that you would then put the belt on her, even though they're not really using Asuka, in my opinion, the way they could or should. Uh, next up, Bianca Belair and Sasha Banks. Number one. This one's a tough one for me. Because I'm a big Sasha Banks fan. I'm a big Bianca Belair fan. I don't know which way I want this to go, how it should go. But I'm going to predict that Sasha keeps the belt. She's never had that WrestleMania moment ever. And I can just really see this being the, the, the WrestleMania where she gets her moment. It should be a great... You know, entertaining match, but I think, you know, there's plenty of time to put the belt on Bianca, you know, but I would not be, I'd be shocked if, you know, she, um, if Bianca walks out with the, with the title. And the other two, um, title, you know, not the other two, other two title matches, but the, uh, the big ones. Number one, Lashley and Drew McIntyre. I fully expect Lashley to keep the belt. I think they've built him up to be this monster heel champion. And I just think that, I just think Kim keeping the belt just makes sense to me. I mean, he's really had, what, really hasn't had to defend it much yet. So I think if he runs through Drew McIntyre at WrestleMania, if Drew comes back later and beats him for the belt, it just, it helps to keep building up the uh, the almighty persona and the idea that he just dominates everyone he faces. And finally, the uh, triple threat: Roman Reigns, Edge, and Daniel Bryan. Before before it became a triple threat, we all figured it would though. I was leaning Edge, but I've got everybody retaining their titles right now. Somebody's got to lose the title, right? So I think this is the one where the title changes hands, and I think it's gonna be I think it's still gonna be Edge. I think they're gonna let somebody complete the WrestleMania was was so great story, and so why not Edge? So those are my predictions. Uh, you can you you can reply to me on Twitter, Mister underscore Jason Jones, uh, Instagram, Mister Jones LBC. Give me your WWE predictions. Give me your King's predictions. Give me your predictions on anything you want. You know, so I'm about to be up out of here. Shout out to everybody from Basketball Podcast Network. Thank you for listening. This is Jason Jones of The Athletic. I will catch you next week. I am out.